as Paul said, we're continuing our theme on the people of God. And today we're going to be looking at the concept of church as forest. Isn't that lovely? Don't you, doesn't that just warm your heart when you see pictures of bluebells? And it's the appropriate time of year as well. Um, but wherever you go in the world, forests have some common features. There are some, um, firstly, they have trees, they have undergrowth, um, and they have a decomposing layer and an abundance of animal and vegetative life forms. And those are just some, some just lovely pictures of forest just to kind of get us settled into the idea of what we're talking about. So how can the people of God be likened to a forest? So if we just have this first scripture, right back in the book of Genesis, we see that God planted a garden. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground, the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the middle of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So we see that God planted a garden for Adam, but actually it was a forest because there were trees with seed bearing fruit. And the word garden actually comes from the Hebrew ganan, which means to defend, to protect, to cover or to surround. So the environment that God provided was protective, covered, defended and a source of food. And the tree of life was in the middle of the garden and Adam and Eve had unrestricted access to it and all the other fruit trees. And it's a beautiful prophetic picture of God's original intention for us, that we would be surrounded, protected, defended and provided with everything that we need in our relationship with him. But of course, we know when Adam and Eve ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they had to leave the garden and they had to cultivate the ground to provide food. But we see that God's plan was always to restore that prophetic picture of forest. And we see it in the book of Revelation. This is quite a big scripture. So um, then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city, and also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. So again, the final picture is of a tree. However, the translation here is a bit complex because the words on either side, they actually depict a repeating pattern, one on either side. So it pro most probably depicts a group of trees. Again, forest imagery. And so God's story starts with a forest and it ends with a forest. So let's just for a minute imagine that God's image is being with his people as a forest. And we don't get much imagery to see what that forest might have looked like throughout scripture. But there are some common principles about forests. The first is they're adapted to their environment and every forest is unique and it's adapted to the environment within which it's set. So northern coal forests have conifer trees whereas equatorial rainforests have broadleaf trees and they have undergrowth designed to catch as much light as possible from the overshadowing canopy with these huge leaves. Plants germinate and they grow where they're planted and many seeds are adapted to be able to be spread by the wind or by animals to find new places to settle and grow, providing they can find suitable conditions. Forests have boundaries. They're usually limited by geography or by the climate around them. 
and they have distinct edges. Forests are full of diversity. Any seed that falls in a forest has the capacity to grow if it's given the right conditions, space and light. Forests can have intruders, non-native species that can grow, dominate and take over. And good forest management is needed to limit or eliminate non-native species and keep the forest healthy. I'm sure you could think of many other characteristics of forests, but those are just some that came to me as I was thinking about this. So let's have another look at God's end time church in the book of Revelation. And there's this scripture again, the words are quite small, so I'll read it out. I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and by your blood, you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God and they shall reign on the earth. The word tribe here means a race or a clan. The word people refers to a very large number of people all gathered together. The word nation is from the Greek ethnos from which we get our word ethnicity. So we see here in this picture that no group or clan or tribe or ethnicity is excluded. Everybody is in. Now let's look at some of these principles of forest as they apply to the people of God. So adaptations. Over the years, the church has spread and grown and it's adapted to its surroundings, which essentially means the culture within which it exists. The most obvious adaptation was when the, in, the Gentiles were included. And since then, many different expressions of church have developed some have resisted culture, and I guess you could say perhaps the, uh, the Amish Christians in the US would be a good example of that. And some have thoroughly embraced culture. And I think Messy Church is a really good example of how church has embraced um, culture. We've been through and we continue to go through one of the biggest adjustments to how we are gathering together as a result of the pandemic. We've lost some good things that people cherish, such as the ability to sing together, to feast together, to hug. However, we've adapted and we've grown some new good things that are important too, such as being accessible from people's homes or hospital beds or boats via Zoom or Facebook Live. We have the ability to be even more inclusive to people who cannot access the building or people wanting to get a sense of who we are without having to walk in on a Sunday morning, which can be quite intimidating if you don't know anybody. And I know some people have really struggled with the Zoom format and are longing to be meeting back together again. But some people have really embraced it and have loved the ability to be gathered electronically. And there are some good things in that that we probably want to keep. The church needs to be a vibrant place of adaptation, ready to bend to the next wave of what God might be doing. Ready to respond to whoever he might be calling into his kingdom. And it's a real challenge sometimes when things change because of what we're used to. But let's be open to what God might be doing. So, for example, if God were bringing to our church family people for whom English was not a first language, would we be, would we be prepared 
to change the way that we teach to accommodate that? Or if God brings people who have disabilities, are we willing to accommodate that too? These are small things that make a huge difference to a sense of belonging that people have when they come to us. Forests grow where they're planted. Now there's an expression from little acorns, great oak trees grow. And this is used to describe how small ideas can grow into a huge initiative. Um, and I'm, I'm aware that Detty's not on the, uh, the screen today, but I remember talking to her about the beginnings of Ixaro and how it started from a small soup run that she and others started. She sowed that seed that God had placed in her heart and it grew from a soup run into the amazing organisation that we know as Exario today, which cares for and homes homeless people. And it's an amazing expression of kingdom and it's church. That's a big example. But we've also got smaller examples. So, for example, the book club that Andy and Sarah started that meets on a Sunday evening. They had a, they, they felt God sowed a kingdom response to um, to respond to racism and race inequality following the murder of George Floyd. They sowed a seed and a few people gathered to read and discuss material, some of it very challenging, but it provides an opportunity for us to become more informed of many issues around racism that affect people both inside and outside the church. And the group has grown and it continues to grow. And it provides an opportunity for us all to reflect on our responses to situations and come under the Holy Spirit's leading and humble ourselves and deal with our hidden biases because we all have them. And areas of our hearts that perhaps have not necessarily been touched fully by the love of God. And it enables us to bring a kingdom, grace-filled response. And that's a good thing. It's just an example. I'm sure there's plenty of other examples of, of seeds that God has sown in people's hearts. Now in forests, seeds are dispersed by the wind and they need to find space to settle germinate, grow and thrive. Church must be a place where seeds can be sown and we need to provide space for God-given ideas to thrive. And I was very grateful. I know many of you know this story, but I'll say it again for those who don't. I was very grateful a few years ago when the church gave a space to the Spirit Cafe. And this was a group set up to try and reach a particular group of people who were either involved in the occult or attracted to it. We wanted them to experience the reality of the love and power of knowing Jesus. We deliberately use secular and cultural language to attract people to our message because traditional churchy language was just off-putting. But we didn't buy into the rest of what that language necessarily meant to those involved. We put a sign up advertising spiritual readings and people would see it and walk in off the street and they would receive a word of knowledge from God that brought restoration and healing. We explained it was Christian, that it was a God, the Holy Spirit encounter, and people's lives were changed. We didn't charge money or we didn't subscribe to any other um, occult ideas around spirituality. Now, sadly, there were some concerns expressed both within our church and across the town. And some people never really understood what we were trying to do. And they were sometimes too worried about the trajectory that they thought we were on to see the kingdom of God in it. Sometimes creating space for others to thrive can squeeze our own territory. We can sometimes feel challenged by it. We can take heart from the words of Gamaliel, who declared of the early Christians. Men of Israel, take care what you're about to do with these men. For before these days, 
Theodotus rose up claiming to be somebody and a number of men, about 400, joined him. He was killed and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. And after him, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census and drew away some of the people after him. He too perished and all who followed him were scattered. So in the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. So let's just make sure that we allow the God-given kingdom-focused dreams and gifts of each other to find space and grow. Now, forests have boundaries. And to follow on from that, the people of God live under the sovereignty of God and the lordship of Christ. We try to take up our cross daily and follow Jesus as best we can, despite everything that might be flung at us. And Jesus gave us very clear boundaries, although not actually not that many, but very challenging ones. He said, love God, love one another as I have loved you and love yourself. Break bread together. Do not fear. Be generous. Freely you have received, freely give. Protect and seek justice for the orphan and the widow, the oppressed, as Anna was talking about earlier. Tell people about the kingdom of God and make disciples. And Paul and the other apostles developed and expands on these themes in their letters, giving instructions as to how these boundaries can be worked out in community. But Jesus himself actually gave very few but very challenging boundaries. And there's just some pictures there. You can see there's an, um, an agricultural boundary to a forest and a geographical boundary to a forest. So it's just to remind ourselves that boundaries are important and they're there to keep the forest safe. Forests are full of diversity. And if you look at the diversity of woodland across the globe, you'll see just how well forests adapt to the conditions that they're in. And the adaptation allows for different forms of life to grow and thrive. And if every forest was the same, life wouldn't thrive. The wild deer found in the, in the northern cooler forests simply couldn't exist in the warmer, dry forests of the Mediterranean. The food supply simply doesn't exist. Individual church settings are a reflection of the heart of God, of each person who participates in that church expression. We simply cannot all be the same. And some expressions of church, for example, prefer a more logistical, liturgical approach with set prayers, readings and songs. Some churches are more free-flowing and they prefer um, a more uh, expressive, free-flowing approach. But both are equally valid if the intention is a life of worship. Now, historically, the church has not been great at handling diversity and it's resulted in many great splits over time. So Catholic, Protestant, Evangelical, Pentecost, Charismatic, splits over whether believers should resist persecution or not splits over the use of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. However, perhaps we should change the way that we see some of these and see them as more an opportunity for different parts of the forest to grow, for different revelations of God to thrive. The Protestant Reformation itself was a heresy at the time, but all that Martin Luther had discovered was a revelation that salvation was by faith and not works. But this was very threatening to the established church at the time who wielded significant control over the lives of ordinary folk. It was definitely not in, but we live in the good of that now. 
I find, this is personally, I find it useful to consider the question, if I have to decide if something is in or not, where, where do I establish my boundary? I ask the same question that Jesus asked Peter. Who do you say I am? And Peter responds, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus responds to Simon, Peter. Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall never prevail against it. So the church of Christ is built on the revelation of Jesus as Christ, Messiah, Saviour. We all receive salvation by faith and are given the gift of the Holy Spirit to empower our walk with God. Other issues, such as the role of scripture versus liturgy, or the use of practical or spiritual gifts, gender roles, traditional versus modern music styles, they're down to local preferences and expressions. And our concept of missional community is a great way to allow different expressions of Christ to grow and thrive within an umbrella of local church that provides security, protection and relationships. So let's allow these God-given community ideas to seed, grow and thrive. The thing that sets us apart from other groups in the secular world is how we love one another. And that means in reality how we deal with conflict, because it's easy to love one another when we're in agreement. How we show respect, accountability, love and care, whilst holding different viewpoints and allowing other people's God-given ideas space to flourish is key to being a, di a diverse expression of God on earth. So let's allow each other to thrive and grow with the seed that God has placed in each one of us and let the full diverse expression of God be manifest. Forests can have intruders. I was walking in the outwoods recently and I was struck by how much tree cover had been cleared. There was a lot more light in the forest and I realised it's because the rhododendrons had been cut back. Now, please bear with me on this because I love rhododendrons. But they are intrusive in forests and they can take over, squeezing out native species and causing them to die. And the same is true with the people of God. Forests do need some management or they can become like jungles. And churches need good oversight. Otherwise, they too can either become like jungles, where it seems like maybe anything goes, or plantations where everything is the same and the focus is on productivity and profit. And it's the role of leaders to steward where they see God planting life and to prune out those things that cause life to dry up. So, for example, if there was something harmful or unethical, then obviously leaders would step in. So let's just look briefly at these two extremes. Jungles. The early church grappled with the influx of pagan worship into the church as Gentiles came to know Christ. And back then, people didn't have access to Bibles or books. They relied on what they'd been told about Jesus by their friends and family and their lived experience of life in the spirit. And I can see how it could be easy for local or pagan ideas to infiltrate theology. But the reality is it didn't stop the church from growing. Somehow they were able to figure out and navigate their way through truth from fake. Later, Paul's letters were written, which provided additional guidance and boundaries. 
Had this not been provided, I can see how the church might have reconfigured Christ as something that he was not. And indeed, many sects and cults since then have tried to do that. The church would have become a jungle. Anchoring ourselves back on that all important question, who do you say I am, keeps us safe from bad theology or poor ideas. And actually, if you look at it, all of Paul's letters start with this, telling the reader who Christ is. Plantations. Well, plantations are planted for one purpose only, wood for commercial use. They are uniform, with trees in straight rows, designed for easy cultivation and profit. They're managed so intentionally, there is just the right number of trees for the land that's available. And consequently, they have a very thick canopy that prevents light from getting to the ground. As you can see from that picture, there is no undergrowth in a plantation, no diversity. It all looks the same. It's geared for profit. It takes a huge amount of management time and effort to keep it like that. And it's worth it if the goal is productivity. I hope you can see where I'm going with this. Let our expression of church never be one where the focus is numbers, uniformity, people, uniformity in people or cash. If a church had a plantation ethos to it, the focus would be on control, getting everyone to believe and act the same, irrespective of the gifts and callings and revelations that God has placed in each one of us. I personally see this need to control as what some might call a religious spirit or a religious mindset, one that prioritises the stability of the organisation above loving people and allowing them space to grow and thrive. Religion kills relationship, a bit like the rhododendrons when they get out of control. Let's remind ourselves of what Jesus said. He said, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by, we, by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus came that we would have abundant life. The enemy comes to st kill, steal and destroy. Plantation churches kill gifting, steal Holy Spirit revelation and destroy purpose and identity. So forests are forest churches are definitely not jungles where anything goes. Equally, they're not plantations where leaders control everything. Healthy forest churches are those where leaders see what God is doing, provide space for it, let it grow, prune it if necessary, allow it to die if it's not of God, or once it's run its course. So in summary, the Church of Christ is built on the revelation that he is the Christ, the son of the living God. God's chosen environment is one of protection, covering, defence and provision. Maybe we could see that God allows some division to occur because it contributes to worldwide diversity. Everyone can find a place to belong. The important bit is that even on division, we continue to preserve relationships and love one another as he loved us. Seeds need space to grow. Let's allow each other space to grow what God has placed in our hearts. Even if sometimes we feel a bit challenged by it. If it's of God, it will grow and thrive because the gates of the underworld will never hold out against it. If it's not of God, it will die. 
Let's commit to being inclusive of all peoples, tribes, tongues, just as that end time picture in the book of Revelation shows. Let's continue to adapt to make it easy for other people to belong. This is sacrificial church. And as Anna said earlier, it's our job to find the lost sheep. Let's not forget that. Let's be an all-encompassing expression of Christ on earth. And just to finish, one final scripture from the Apostle Paul. This is from the book of Ephesians. He says, walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you are called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Maybe we just need to remember we're going to be spending eternity with our diverse, spirit-filled brothers and sisters. Let's get used to each other now. Forest is unity in diversity. <laughs>